Welcome to Nutrition Bites, the no-nonsense podcast where you get the truth about food so you can eat what you want and be healthy. I'm your host, Maggie, and welcome to episode 9 of this series. Today, we're diving into a pretty overlooked area of nutrition. It may not be on the minds of influencers, but it's a pretty useful piece of information you can use to make healthier food choices. On the menu today, Nutrient Claims. Packaging does so much more than just protects your food on its journey from the manufacturing plant to the back of your cupboard. These packages also serve as a bulletin board, providing you with crucial info about what's inside. They're also a handy place for companies to try and influence your choice. So many aspects of a food package are used to persuade you to buy a product, from the colors to the images, the taglines, even just the name. I'm a bougie lady, so you think I'm going to reach for regular chocolate chip cookies? Hell no. Give me that artisanal triple chunk chocolate confection. Another food packaging feature used to inform and influence a more health-conscious shopper is the nutrient content claim. The nutrient claim, which is what I'm going to call it from here on out, is a short statement that describes the quantity of one nutrient present in one serving of food. These are familiar phrases like reduced sodium or excellent source of fiber and no added sugar. Even words like lean found in lean ground beef or lightly as in lightly salted chips are also nutrient claims. While this phrasing is not as straightforward, it still alludes to the quantity of a particular nutrient. Lean for lower in fat and lightly for lower in salt. Back in the late 90s and early 2000s, low fat and no calorie claims reigned supreme. During this time, the diet rhetoric blamed too much fat and too many calories for weight gain. So, food manufacturers responded by creating a ton of fat-free and zero-calorie alternatives of our favorite foods. Procter & Gamble responded by creating a new food additive called Olestra, which was a zero-calorie fat substitute. It was used mostly in potato chips and was a huge hit in the dieting community, until people discovered it actually caused severe diarrhea. Whoopsies. Today, the blame for weight gain and general health problems has transitioned to sugar, so the no-added-sugar or low-sugar nutrient claims are most popular. But there have also been similar gastrointestinal issues documented with some sugarless substitutes. Haribo's sugar-free gummy bears dominate internet tales of fiery bathroom tragedies, Just do yourself a favor and look up the Amazon reviews for these, I quote, godforsaken hell bears. And yeah, sure, most sugar-free or fat-free snacks are not going to lead to bathroom trips memorable enough to share with the internet. But the popularity and presence of these nutrient claims is something to take note of. Think of the last time you had to choose a new package of oatmeal at the grocery store, or pick up a carton of orange juice, grab a can of tomatoes. Whether you noticed or not, nutrient claims like high in fiber, good source of vitamin C, and 50% lower in salt were likely plastered on a bunch of options as you made your choice. Nutrient claims are so popular on packaged foods, and one of the reasons is that it's relatively easy to make a claim. Nutrient claims are regulated by government agencies like Health Canada, the FDA, and the European Commission, and they're also made to be easily understood by the general population. The formula is simple. Prefixes like high in or good source are matched with a nutrient, 
and a government agency sets a quantity required for that pairing. If a food meets the criteria, the claim can appear on the package. Let's use a quick example. In Canada, for a yogurt to claim it's a good source of calcium, one serving needs to provide at least 15% of the recommended daily intake, or RDI, of calcium. Now to claim it's a very high source of calcium, it needs to provide at least 25% of the RDI. Seems reasonable, right? Okay, so you may be wondering, what's there to complain about? These nutrient claims are regulated by the government, and they're communicated in simple enough terms that even children can spot the difference. But here's the issue. The simplicity of these claims and our general impatience when making food choices can lead to misinterpretation about the health of a food. While the amount of low-fat and fat-free snacks at the grocery store has decreased significantly in the past few decades, it's still a popular nutrient claim in the dairy aisle. That's because cheese and yogurt are naturally high in fat, and for some people, low-fat or no-fat options are recommended by their doctors. But the problem with the fat-free claim is that although it implies the total absence of fat, that's actually not the truth. In fact, the criteria for a fat-free claim is that one serving of food contains less than half a gram of fat. It's a similar case for the zero calories claim, which actually requires one serving to have less than five calories. Now, this wouldn't be too big of an issue if we generally stuck to serving sizes, but how often do you actually look up and stick to eating just one serving. The standard serving size for ice cream in Canada is 125 grams or half a cup. And the last thing I'm doing when eating ice cream is measuring out a single serving. And sure, single serving packaging exists, but many people also buy in bulk, which makes estimating and sticking to a serving size even more difficult. If you buy blocks of cheese, one serving is considered a 3 centimeter cube, or 30 grams. And I'm not completely convinced you're whipping out a ruler or scale when constructing a grilled cheese sandwich. So for those who choose fat-free dairy options, or any nutrient claims with the word free, zero, or no, you're likely consuming some of that nutrient, especially if you're not a stickler for serving sizes. Now, for all intents and purposes, even if you ate two servings of a no-fat cheese, that's only one gram of fat, which is not a lot. But it's also not zero. And unless you're being told by a health professional to make these choices, it begs the question, do we even need to make choices based off these nutrient claims? At its foundation, a nutrient claim is based on nutrition advice for the general population which means that low amounts of nutrients we tend to overconsume, like calories, sugar, fat, and sodium, and high amounts of nutrients we tend to underconsume, like fiber, are highlighted on packages to prompt us in the right direction. But a granola bar with the claim source of fiber only actually needs to contain 2 grams of the nutrient, which is pretty small considering an adult's individual fiber needs can range from 25 to 40 grams. Similarly, just because a low-calorie option exists doesn't mean we need to choose it. While the average person may need to eat more fiber and decrease their caloric intake, that doesn't mean that you need to. And this is an unintentional effect of these nutrient claims. It may influence the food choices of some people in a really unnecessary way. If you haven't been told to reduce your fat intake by a doctor, don't fret over choosing the low-fat ice cream. 
We need to remember that food is more than just nutrition. It's flavor and texture and enjoyment. And let me tell you, fat-free ice cream blows. Also, keep in mind that when a nutrient is reduced or eliminated from a food, something else has to give. A low-calorie cookie could contain different ingredients from the original, come in a smaller serving size, or have an entirely new nutrition profile. There could also be surprising additives and swaps like aspartame instead of cane sugar. To reduce sodium, some food manufacturers increase potassium. To reduce fat, others may hike sugar. And unfortunately, the onus is on you to pull up a chair to the nutrition facts table and Sherlock Holmes just what the heck is going on. Is a lower calorie or higher fiber option that much better than one without the claim? Just like with a lot of health advice, if you make a choice solely off of one statement, you may be in for a rude surprise. It's like taking medication because it helps with headaches and not reading the label where it also lists immaculate conception as a side effect. When you're only focused on one aspect, you're going to miss the bigger picture. Here's a real example to illustrate my point. I'm on a connecting plane to a sunny destination and was browsing the in-flight menu for a snack. Now, normally, I pride myself in overly preparing food for travel, but due to an epic delay, thank you Air Canada, I couldn't do it this time around. Not wanting to spend 30 bucks on a crappy sandwich, I opted for a canister of almonds. Now, I was a nutrition student at the time and knew that almonds are a great source of protein and unsaturated fat. Feeling like I hacked the plain menu for an affordable and healthy snack, I devoured the almonds when they arrived. And after my manic snacking, I reviewed the package and, sure enough, a nutrient claim on protein was found. But flipping over to the nutrition facts table, there was also an outrageous amount of sodium listed. Surely, any benefit I got from this good source of protein was far outweighed by the spoonfuls of salt these almonds were doused in. And these kinds of nutrient bait and switches happen all the time. Kid snacks are a prime example. The good source of vitamin C claim is incredibly prominent on so many sugary kid snacks, especially if there's an association with fruit or fruit flavor. Comparing two nearly identical orange jello cups, one with fruit and a vitamin C claim and the other without either, you would think that the vitamin boosted one is healthier. But this option actually has more added sugar than the plain jello. So much so that it went beyond the daily recommended amount for an adult. It's almost like the vitamin C claim was a distraction technique from the sugar-laden truth. So of these two options, which is healthier? It honestly depends on you and your needs. If you're at risk for scurvy, which I dearly hope you are not, the high-sugar vitamin C option may be better. Before the non-buccaneer listeners, a lower-sugar option is probably recommended. Sometimes making healthy food decisions is tough, especially with so much information about nutrition surrounding us. And nutrient claims can be really helpful for those who've been told to increase or decrease certain nutrients in their diet. But even still, you can't evaluate how healthy an entire food is or is not based on one statement about one nutrient. These claims are merely a piece of information to help inform our choices, not prescribe them. So it's important to take 30 extra seconds to dig deeper when choosing foods with a claim and consider both your health and your preferences. Food marketers are convinced that you're probably too lazy to do the extra reading, so prove them wrong and take control of your impulses. Before you dive straight for a low-fat cracker, take a moment to compare it with the original to see what exactly has changed and if it's worth it for you. 
Personally, I'll take a lightly salted chip over a regular one because I enjoy the taste, but I'll be six feet under before switching my ice cream to low fat. That's been the bite for today. Stay hungry. Thanks for listening to Nutrition Bites. If you haven't already, please make sure to subscribe and rate this podcast and share with a friend. If you want to get in touch with me, please follow me on Instagram at Nutrition Bites Podcast. Have a great week.